What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Human. Uh, today I got Marcus, of course, and Marcus introduced me to our guest, Dr. Belize of Ranich, um, through her book, Breathe, which I read. As soon as I picked it up, I read through the whole thing and I started following all of the exercises. I'm not a big reader or I'm not a good reader. I try to read a lot, but this book doesn't read like a normal book. This is just all breathing exercises that you can follow along to to instantly increase the way that you can recover quickly, the amount of oxygen you can get into your body, and all the benefits that you get from breathing. Well, first of all, how are you, doctor? It's good to have you on the show. I'm great. I'm really psyched to be here. You guys, uh, you know, I follow you guys and I know Marcus for a while, so I'm, I'm like a pig in shit right now. I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you on. Uh, I know Marcus has a lot of questions. I have a ton of questions. I was just uh, doing hill sprints yesterday and I had about three questions pop up uh, that I wanted to ask you today. So I'm excited to talk about this. I know a lot of people have questions about breathing. It's funny. Yeah. It's something that we always do. We have to do it in order to survive. Um, I'm currently learning how to run properly right now. And I, through your book, I just learned how to properly breathe for the first time. And I'm 29 years old, which is which is funny for people to think everyone thinks they do it all the time. They know how to do it, but it's not true, right? There's a, there's a specific technique and exercises that you can do to get better at breathing and reap the benefits from it. Well, what's happened is that we used to do it really well. And then as we've gone getting more civilized, in quotes, um, for those of you listening, I did do air quotes, is that we've, we've messed things up. Like, just like our posture used to be pretty okay. And um, all of a sudden, like our posture is terrible. We sit too much. We eat wrong. We just do most of the basic things wrong now because we've gotten civilized and messed them up. So breathing is one of those. Breathing is a movement. It's an internal movement. So just like any movement at the gym or any movement you make in life, you can do it wrong. You can do it just good enough, but you can do it wrong. And there's repercussions in your entire body. And when you say civilized, you mean you mean humans. But I, I remember in the book you talk about how babies breathe correctly. But it, it isn't until we start having everyday stressors in life um, that we start to breathe into our chest. We become vertical breathers. We we'll talk yes. about that versus yeah. horizontal breathing. Yeah. Um, and like and and it's I love that you point this out because I noticed how often I do it. Every time I check my phone, if I get a text or an email, I I instantly realize that I'm holding my breath as I read it. And, and just, just by recognizing it, then I'm able to fix my breathing, fix my levels of stress, and just everyday health because of it. Yeah, and, and actually, it's not really babies, because like babies don't have a choice. They just do whatever they want. It's more when we become more like social beings. It's more when we start to do things consciously. And that's why when I teach breathing, I teach the biomechanics of it, but I also put in a lot of psychology, because as soon as you have consciousness and can do things consciously, we're more apt to mess them up or optimize them. But the breathing is really good until about age five and a half. And then all of a sudden, you know, these little humans start imitating their parents and start imitating their superheroes and start having senses of shame and responsibility and all these other things. And then the body gets braced and they model behavior. So you have kids looking at adults and just doing what they see adults are doing. And adults in general have terrible breathing. They're just, they're posturing and bracing their middles. They're puffing up their chests. They're taking tiny little sips of air. If they're stressed out or just reading their texts and stressed out about that, is that they take tiny little breaths with the upper part of the body. And that's, we weren't built to breathe that way. It's funny uh, that you say that since learning that from you, um, I, I, I look at my, my kids, Nico, who's, who's two and a half and Luna just turned one and especially a little girl. Right. You know, a lot of times girls are really focused on what they look and she is so happy with the biggest smile with all four teeth and just her belly sticking out. <laughs> and, and, and like you said, that's you see when they take the breath and breathe with the stomach and not yep. with the chest. Yeah. Yeah. And their diaphragms are moving when they do that. And then later on, they start bracing their middles and they start posturing and you see them starting to like put out their little arms and suck in their little bellies and wear clothes and like worried and talk about looking fat. And, you know, you could you just have to keep them being able to inhale and expand like you can you can narrow and hold that and brace when you need to. But you have to be able to breathe you know, a lower body breath, 360 degrees in all different directions, or else you limit yourself in your movement and, and in your state of arousal. 
Well, I just got to say, like, I, I get, I still get super nervous before doing these podcasts. I've been on camera since I was like 12 years old and camera yeah. I'm fine. But for some reason, I get really nervous with podcasts. And even right now, I notice that I'm tensing my stomach up and I'm breathing not as much as I should be into my chest. And as soon as you remind me, my stomach expands and I instantly feel better. Let yeah. me ask, how, how did you, how, like, where did the fascination start with breathing? Why did you decide to focus on this? And yeah, talk, so- talk me through that. You know, it's interesting because I've been looking at people keep asking me why breathing has gotten trendy now. So I just started this timeline to show how it's uh, it's been happening for a long time. Um, it's not just like that, that Wim Hof started doing stuff and we're now interested in breathing. It's actually been coming for a long time, both science and pop culture, um, illnesses, optimization, like it's been coming. So this is sort of an explosion of not something that's going to be a trend, but something that's you know, here to stay. Um, and now I've forgotten your question. Damn it. <laughs> okay. So wait, I got it. Me. <laughs> so I looked at, I actually had to sit down and look at my own sort of a timeline as I was asking my students to do this. And part of it had to do with um, my stress. Like uh, there was one year where I found that I was grinding my teeth. And then when I went to see my dentist and I gave him a lot of money for a long time, Um, he told me I was stressed out and I got pissed because of course I wasn't stressed. Like he was wrong, but he was right. And, um, I went to yoga class because I figured that was supposed to be good for me. And I hated it. I like, I just hated it. I hated the music. I hated the smells. Um, I didn't want (laughs) it. I just hated it. So I had to find the right yoga class. So if anybody's trying yoga or hasn't found their right class, like just keep looking, Um, so finally I found a class and as soon as I walked in, they were playing Beastie Boys and then they went to Led Zeppelin and Jane's Addiction. And I was like, oh, this is my class. I'm staying here. So they would talk about breathing and yoga and, um, you know, they had all these cool words for it, but I wanted like, I was that annoying person in the back. And both of you seem to be like, you'd be this annoying person in the back you'd probably be with me in the back being the annoying person who's asking questions and wanting to know, well, give me some science on that. And like, has anybody tried something else? So anyway, I got told to, to hush, which I'm used to. And um, so then I went, I looked at sports science to see like, what were they doing in sports? And I found some great stuff, but it was super academic, which doesn't scare me. It just takes me longer to get through. Um, And I just got fascinated with the idea of breathing, not only for stress, but for sports, um, for different states of mind. And I started teaching my patients because I used to be a psychologist and they felt better right away. And then they didn't want to talk anymore. They just wanted to breathe. And I kind of ended up here. Yeah. Nice. But let's talk about that a little bit more. You kind of just brushed over it. You're a you're a clinically trained psychologist. You're a doctor, Belize Aranich. And. You work with people. You 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 had a therapy. You you you, you were working as a therapist. Yeah. You left that and mm-hmm. said, "This is what helps people more than yeah. anything." Like you just said, yeah. you were stressed yourself. When did you take that step? When you realized that how powerful this is? You know, it wasn't a step. It was more of a leap, <laughs> and it was a leap. Like I didn't know if there was a net or not, but I just knew that I loved doing it, and I loved when I would see someone they would get better and they felt empowered right away. So it was really sort of, I don't want to say addicted because that sounds addictive because that sounds negative, but to see people get better as quickly as they did, or at least to feel positive was, was really amazing because think, you know, usually when you go to see a doctor, you don't get a lot of good feedback. You don't get a lot. I mean, usually there's good docs out there, but you don't get a lot of information. You don't get a lot of tools um, and sometimes it's just very disheartening that your body's broken in some way, your body, your mind. So this was great because people would leave with, uh, this renewed sense that their bodies were good and they worked and they had things to do. So I, there was a moment where I had to decide, am I going to, I was thinking about going back and working in hospitals again, because I've worked in hospitals for a long time, but I just love, I love teaching the breathing and I had to take a jump and say, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this full force and see if I fall flat on my face, you know, and if people don't get it or if it's actually going to take off the way I feel like it should. See, and that's, that's why I loved your book, Breathe. And I'm excited to read uh, Breathing for Warriors because the entire book gives you specific exercises like lying on your back, putting a kettlebell on your stomach and rising yeah. it with your breath, lifting, yeah. lifting the stomach up. 
And I know there's going to be people listening that are, are going to say, well, it's breathing. Breathing's easy. I just inhale and I exhale. I'll start focusing on it more. I'll start breathing a little bit deeper and exhaling a little bit longer. But there's more to it. There's actual technique. Is there is there like a crash course, a beginner's exercise that you have for people that for our listeners they can do just to just to experience this? Yeah. Well, so this is it. Is that most people think like take a deep breath. They think they're taking a deep breath. And right now I've been reading a lot about uh, COVID and breathing, and it's interesting because you know all the instructions are well take deep breaths throughout the day and make sure you're breathing deep. Well, no one knows if they're breathing deep. So if you're if you haven't had a diaphragm ultrasound. You don't actually know if you're breathing deep, and most people aren't going to go in to get a diaphragm ultrasound if they don't have to. So, are you like I always start way in the beginning of like, so are we taking a deep breath? Like you think you are. It sure looks like a deep breath, but it's actually this this cartoonish deep breath. Like we don't know if it's actually a deep breath. So what I came up with is something called the breathing IQ, and it's on my website. You don't have to buy the book. Just go and do your breathing IQ. And find out like, are you really taking a deep breath? Are you really using your diaphragm? Because you wouldn't believe how many people come in and they're like, oh yeah, I breathe diaphragmatically. And then I look at them, I'm like, yeah, that you're actually not breathing <laughs> diaphragmatically at all. So the first thing to do is actually see if you're taking a deep breath. And like I said, that's on my website. And I remember doing that test. And yeah. I remember coming in and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. This should be a, a piece of cake. And I did it, and I got a horrendous number. And I'm like, no, but I know that was a deep breath. And, and, and it was exactly that, the breathing IQ and understanding vertical breathing versus horizontal breathing, right? So yeah. I'm jumping ahead here a little bit just from having done the course. And I'm, I'm, I am biased, and I am biased because I've done it. And I, I got to say, for all the people that are non-believers right now, uh, I was one of them. And I remember... And this is uh, this is after losing my son, and and I and I did it for that. The first time we did the training was before that, when you were actually working on breathing for warriors. Yeah. But the when I was sold was when I started doing breathing meditation for the specific reason of of dealing with with uh, with with grief. And I remember being told, oh, you know, you can you might start feeling tingling sensations or the, the body parts going numb and. I, and I was thinking, this this hocus pocus bullshit doesn't work, and that's exactly what happened. It's so powerful that I can't believe yeah. that it's not big. It's becoming bigger, but it's not bigger. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I remember. So I have to tell the story. Is this was about 12 years ago, and uh, Marcus invites me to his gym to come teach and says, like, let's put out feelers and like see who wants to come. So I'm thinking like, this is like, first of all, that I get to go to a gym and teach. I don't know Marcus. I don't know how we got connected through someone. And I was so um, appreciative of that. Go to your gym and three people show up. Marcus, um, some guy who was lost and thought he was taking a yoga class. And then Jason Hidalgo was there. And it was awesome. Like if I get three people to listen to me, I was happy. I could not care less. I was teaching in a gym. But, you know, so I had quality people there, except for the, the yoga guy who was <laughs> a little traumatized by the whole experience by the end. But um, that was way back. That was like 12 years ago. So, Marcus, like you knew intuitively this because this was something because you're a busy guy. You're not going to offer up your whole gym and like half a day to hang out with me doing breathing exercises if you didn't think it had something. And that was 12 years ago because now I pack a gym. Now there's like a waiting list. But back then, you know, you had to be visionary to know that this was going to go somewhere. And I remember we finished and Marcus said, I loved this. He goes, and I hate everything. <laughs> 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 and if you're a fighter and it's not, you know, Shane, you're breathing. So I don't know if you know, breathing gets better up to what age? Do you remember? Because you're right there. <laughs> 29. So we weren't like we weren't designed to last that long. So at 29, your breathing starts to plateau and um, you have to do breathing exercises. And, and what I'd like is for people to know what their numbers are at age 29 and be able to keep those numbers like into their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, as long as you can. So with fighters, because your middle can be tight because you brace so much and all those muscles, you know, from protecting yourself from the brace is that sometimes the expanding is hard. So with Marcus, yeah, in the beginning, it, your breath wasn't very expansive because you're narrow and you're strong, but you know, we worked on well, it. 
Well, that's the one thing I wanted to say. Like, if people are, I don't know why anyone would be skeptical, but if people are on the fence about, like, is this worth my time to be to be working on my breathing? The the word that I really want to emphasize is exercise. Like the same way we exercise our muscles, and if we don't, they're going to get smaller and weaker. It's the yeah. same with our breathing. And I want to bring up Boss Rutten, who's a mutual friend of ours, and I know he he told a story when he was on our podcast about how he went to your office and he Good. had. You put the uh, measuring tape around his chest and, and he was able to expand it way bigger than anything you guys have ever seen before. <laughs> but, exactly. but without, doing, without doing those exercises, for one, you wouldn't be able to expand your your diaphragm enough to be able yep. to intake the amount of oxygen that you'd ideally like to, correct? Exactly, exactly. He came in, I had an office um, in New York and he came in and he said, you know, go ahead, measure me. And it was fascinating. Like it, he had the best breathing and not only so i look at mechanics and then i look at strength so not only were his mechanics fantastic immediately which was surprising but then his muscle strength on top of that was out of control good and it's gotten better since then so it's even you know he just blows everybody out of the park he just is amazing yeah so that's why you know i decided that i looked at his um the o2 trainer which i actually really like and because um, I have people pitching me trainers all the time. And if they don't have a breathing IQ that's an A, like I need to know that you actually understand breathing mechanics before you try to sell me a gadget. And his, you know, his diaphragmatic, um, his thoracic flexibility and his his being able to engage his diaphragm was so out of control. I, you know, absolutely became friends with him and, and adore him. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna do a super heavy deadlift until you've got the the foundation down correct. You're not gonna do a heavy yeah. bench press until you can do push-ups first. And I yeah. think what you teach is proper form, the exercises to 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 do it correctly. And then these these mm-hmm. breathing trainers that exist out there will just yeah. add resistance, make it more challenging yeah. so yeah. that you can get that much stronger. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so glad you used that um, that analogy because it's exactly that of of you can do breathing's an internal movement. And I always say my three favorite movements are squats, twists, and breathing, because those are the three movements that to me, and I, you know, you guys probably know anatomy and movement more than I do, is that those three movements, as far as your lifespan are really important. So how much you do this, how well you can twist your spine, which is going to be good for spine health and you're being able to squat well for everything. So yeah. So what were the three squats, twists, and... And breathing. Uh, and breathing. Yeah. Of course. Because breathing is a movement. Yeah, but we don't think about it. And it is. It's an internal movement. And if you see, you'll see inside Breathing for Warriors, and I'll send you um, I'll send you the pictures you can put, you can attach them to this podcast. But one of the reasons we don't think about the diaphragm as a muscle is the little muscle man. You know, the little muscle man I'm talking about? Like Gold's Gym has that little muscle man, and you see it in like your chiropractor's office and acupuncturist. He has all those little muscles. I guess it's a he, it's like, there's no gender there. So it's a human. And uh, so what happens with that is that you get the impression from looking at it that, oh, your muscles must be on the outside of your body and it's you have like squishy organs on the inside, right? And you don't realize that you have a huge muscle that crosses the entire middle of the body. So in Breathing for Warriors, this took so long and the person who was doing my graphics wanted to kill me because I needed her to take that little muscle man exactly like the one that we're used to seeing and open it so that you could see the diaphragm because we're not even used to like, we don't even know what it looks like. I've never seen one in in real life, except for if you eat skirt steak, you've seen one because that's a cow's diaphragm. But again, that's too abstract. It's on the plate with French fries. Like you're not thinking about that or trying not to anyway. So the muscle man, when you open it up, it's got, you can see the diaphragm and it's huge. It's in the middle of your body. So we have to start thinking, oh, there's a muscle that goes throughout the entire bottom part of my lungs and my heart and that covers my digestive organs. Like this thing is big. So if all your breathing muscles together are 10 pounds of muscle, like shouldn't we be working that out? Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only, the only way to do so, well, in, in addition to squats and twists, is is breathing. Yeah, and breathing hard. And breathing so, while you do the squats. And and while you do the squats as well, which is a different, you know, yes, most people will just go into the gym and hold their breath the whole time. And you've seen this on the mat. You've got 
folks coming in and they're going to fight and they just, you keep telling them, breathe, breathe, like take a breath. You're holding your breath. You're holding. So, yeah. So in, in breathing for warriors, do you cover all of that? Like when breathe, like timing with breaths, when striking, when going for pace and endurance and distance and all of that? Yes. And that's why, I mean, I get giddy when I talk about this. First of all, it's because it took the entire last two to three years of my life. I have nothing to show for it other than the book. Like I, I didn't do anything. I didn't go clothes shopping. I didn't date. I didn't like, I didn't do anything. I was stuck at home with the deadline of this book. But the problem was that, and, and Marcus can appreciate this is like, once I would go down a road, I was like, Oh, there's more stuff here. And there's more stuff there. And all of a sudden this book that was supposed to be just about endurance was like getting bigger and bigger and more out of control. And I wanted to put every single sport in it. And the thing just got to be this monster. And my publisher wanted to kill me because I wanted another year to keep working on it. So finally, I just, um, I divided it. I don't know if you've ever seen Tudor Bompa's book on periodization. It's just, he divides it into um, endurance, power, strength. Like he does a division like that. And I was like, okay, that's what I have to do. And I had to take sex out because for some reason they wanted me to put sex in it. And I was like, that's a whole nother book. I don't want to touch that. So we're just going to do endurance, strength, precision. And then I put recovery, inner game and resilience at the end. And one thing that was very different and really exciting for me was the targeted model. So you'll get this all the time. Well, you say, well, how do I breathe when I fight? Well, there's not one way to breathe the entire time you're fighting. And that's the question that would always make me crazy because you're doing different things at different times. So what I came up with was something called a targeted model. So you're going to be breathing when you're in your corner, you're going to be breathing very differently than when you're up close fighting. You better not be doing the same breathing when you're up close fighting and when you're in your corner. In your corner, you're going to be unbracing and taking deep breaths. When you're up close fighting, you're going to be hovering. You're going to be between an inhale and an exhale. You're never going to be fully inhale or fully exhaled. You might be exhaling when you punch, but you may not have that luxury. You may have to punch on an inhale as well. So the targeted model is all about like how you fight when you're kind of in the eye of the storm if that's the right analogy, or how you fight when you're a couple steps away. I mean, how you breathe when you're a couple steps away. How do you breathe in your corner? How do you breathe when you're out uh, before you're coming into the ring, maybe? So that's the way we have to think about it. It's not the sport. It's the moment in the sport. I mean, this is high-level stuff. Have you have you trained? Have you ever done any MMA or kickboxing? I did Muay Thai a long time ago. Yeah, I've got a shoulder injury to uh, to show for it. But not to show my age, but it was a uh, it was a long time ago. Um, it was in oh god, it was in like the heyday of the club scene in New York. So I guess it was in the nineties. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and it was in a basement of a, a building, and no one knew what it was. Everybody was like, "What the hell, are you guys kicking stuff? Like, what's going on?" You know. Yeah. We're gonna get crazy. back. We're gonna get you back into it. I'm, I'm already once. New York opens back up again. You're going to go to King's Muay Thai. And you're going to start training. I already spoke to Excellent. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I, I, what I'm really excited about this, because I know how long you've been working on this book. And I know that it's not just for, for martial artists, but you work with soldiers, you work with military, and 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 especially snipers, how important it is. Mm-hmm. I know because I failed sniper school in the military. Um, how yeah. important, yeah, terrible. That's, I, I did everything else well, not a good sniper. Um, but uh, but uh, how, how interesting it is, like you said, specific for specific moments. Um, when, when it comes to the, the, the fighting, the warrior world, which obviously the book is about, um, mm-hmm. are you surprised to how well-trained athletes are? And looking at Navy SEALs, for example, before they go into battle, they do do breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain groups, obviously, deep sea divers, uh, yep. surfers are usually good at breathing. Are you mm-hmm. surprised how little we know about breathing in, in the rest of the world till today? Yes, I'm very surprised. However, um, what surprises me is that not so much the type of breathing, because often the, the breathing that you think about in the military is more box breathing or finding a natural respiratory pause before you shoot that type of breathing. For me, it's why aren't we working our breathing muscles? If your endurance can change apart from your cardio, if you work out your breathing muscles, why aren't all athletes working out their breathing muscles like crazy? 
And the answer is because the science that showed us that was going on at, a, at around uh, 20, 2010, 2011. So that makes sense. It's taken, what, 10 years? Is that right? My math is terrible. It's taken 10 years. Yeah, it's only plus 10, Valisa. It's taken 10 years to get here. And that's normally how long it takes. Science takes about eight to 10 years to get to the, to the front lines. So we're talking about this now because 10 years ago, uh, there's a researcher named Alison McConnell and Mitch Lomax that did all these studies that had to do with inspiratory muscle training. So it's finally at the front lines. And I hope people take it because it is a little bit of a secret weapon. Do you feel that, you know, like Wim Hof doing these, holding these world records and doing these crazy things that he's doing, um, do you feel that speeds it up as far as people understand the mainstream, uh, understanding how important it is? And uh, in, in you, you just mentioned something really interesting. It takes eight to ten years for science. And we hear a lot about science right now because of COVID, because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I have two questions too. Are you surprised to... Or do you feel like what Wim Hof has done has helped the breathing community, I guess I would call it? And two, can it help when it comes to the coronavirus in any sort of shape? Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, two very different questions. So what um, the, the attention that Wim Hof has brought breathing is fantastic. And I super appreciate that. Um, I mean, there was a few events going on that were giving breathing more attention. So, um, but he definitely started doing what he's doing at a good time as well, where people were getting more interested in it. Um, and it's brought more attention. I mean, some people love it. Some people go looking for more breathing after that. Um, so he definitely helped kind of the purpose of it. Um, with COVID, it's fascinating because people are now asking more questions of how can I make my respiratory muscles or my respiratory system strong so that um, it will help if I do happen to get it, uh, I won't end up with severe COVID or pneumonia. And that's the right question to ask is how do I make my respiratory um, system, my lungs strong? Because this is not the first pandemic that we're going to have. And if you think about it, COPD um, is the fourth leading cause of death. So we have to pay attention to our lungs like most people don't, you know, and making it strong before something happens is really important. I just had somebody call me um, this morning and she had gotten COVID a year ago. So and what she had is like her breathing went downhill afterwards. So she recovered and she's having all kinds of respiratory problems now. So what we're going to be seeing a year from now is really that people are going to have a lot of problems if they don't take care of their breathing and if they don't work out their breathing after COVID. And there is one study, just one has come out, that you lose 20 to 30% of your uh, breathing functions after COVID if you don't you know, try to regain them. And the breathing exercises, like, like Shane, like you said, just the working out your muscles like you would at the gym, that's what we have to do because your lungs don't do anything. They just kind of sit there. So what powers them are the muscles around them. So is it because of damage done to the diaphragm or the, the lungs that takes away that 20 to 30 percent? And, and, and I don't want to make sure that we don't get no. thin eyes here. Can okay. you help prevent it by, like you said, training your muscles beforehand? Yes. OK, so what hap what we know so far um, is that. What happens with COVID is that you, it feels painful. So when you get pneumonia, it feels, I don't know if you've ever had pneumonia, it feels like severe, I should just back up, severe COVID turns into pneumonia and then the deaths that happen happen because of pneumonia. So when you have pneumonia, it feels because your airways have been so constricted, um, you feel like you have pressure on your chest and it hurts to breathe. So whenever you have an injury on your chest or on your torso, and a lot of this feeling of pressure is that even when you get better, you're still going to take breaths that are small. So you get into the habit of these little breaths that are usually with your neck and your shoulders and you stay there. So often it's the muscles, your intercostal muscles that get stiff. And that's what happens is that you end up your thoracic cavity ends up being a rib cage. 
So that's at least part of it. That's what we know so far is that's at least part of it. And that's why you're told if you have COVID and it hurts, move around. And it's not really that you need to move around. It's that they want you breathing and expanding your rib cage, even if it hurts and doesn't feel good, so that you're able to ventilate well. What was the second part of your question, Marcus? <laughs> the, one part was, was, was that as far as uh, uh, the breathing, if it will help training your muscles now, and we'll make sure that we don't go past this enough pseudoscience out there, but I know that you know what you're talking about. And the second part was Wim that you already answered. Oh, okay. Hey, you asked about um, COVID getting, like you, breathing exercises aren't going to stop you from getting COVID, but right, they right. will help with you not going from, uh, going from a mild or moderate case to severe. And you have to think about what risk factors are. So you've got high blood pressure, um, uh, other pulmonary problems, um, weight gain, things like that. And those things you have control over, at least the COPD and the high blood pressure, you can actually lower your blood pressure with your breathing. Most people that I work with that come in and say like, hey, I'm on these medications and they hold me, hold out like five bottles. I'd like to be on less. Like, obviously I don't do it without speaking to their, their GPs. However, controlling your blood pressure through breathing is one of the easiest things out there. So I hope we start looking at the things we can control in our bodies and, you know, minimize the risk factors so that if it does get moderate, it doesn't go to severe and then we heal. Yeah. Just so that we have a standalone clip, if if people are watching, what advice would you have for them? If, if we know that by doing breathing exercises, you can reduce the chance of having a severe, if you were to catch the coronavirus, yeah. you wouldn't have a severe of a case uh, we're dealing with it and you might have better chances of survival and beating it if you had done your breathing exercises. What would your recommendation be besides taking your breathing IQ program? So right on the website, um, there is a tab that says tools. And within that, there is a COVID um, one pager with information about COVID and breathing. And actually on another tab is my publisher doesn't know this, but I took all the exercises from Breathe and I put it up there so that people just get that for free. So shh, don't tell anyone, <laughs> but that's up there. So you don't have to buy the book. You can just go on there right now, get your breathing IQ and do those exercises. And what happens is that when you start breathing well, when you ventilate well, you work on your exhale. And what you need in order to make sure that pneumonia doesn't get severe or, or it doesn't get fatal, is that you need to have what's called a productive cough. Now, if you're a vertical breather, your exhale is just going to be shitty because it's just down. It's not a good exhale. It's not the way we were designed to exhale. We were designed to inhale and expand and exhale and contract. So if you're breathing inhale up, exhale down, that's a really bad exhale. So if you do that right now, so just try this now, inhale just like you used to. So inhale up, exhale down, just let go. So on the exhale, just everybody says let go on the exhale. So inhale up, exhale down, let go. Now actually squeeze your middle. And look how much extra air you had in there. So if you're able to exhale well, it means you're able to cough well. And that's what keeps you alive is being able to cough, get stuff out of your lungs. So that uh, strong breathing exhale muscles are are key. I won't say the key because we don't know what the key is yet. Um, but exhaling well and coughing where your middle contracts is the most important thing you can do. Awesome. I, I, um, I, I was training with Laird Hamilton, who I know that you know as well and have worked yeah. with. And uh, I was doing underwater training. I was getting really frustrated because there were certain things I couldn't do. And he said, your problem isn't that your body doesn't have enough oxygen. Your yeah. problem is that you're becoming, what's it called? You've you got to breathe out even underwater. Uh -huh. What's it called? Carbo, you get in almost toxification by it. Are uh, you getting uh, carbon dioxide in the blood? Are you, getting carbon, you have too much carbon dioxide? Are you getting... I don't because, know. I don't know what word he would have used. I did that. I did that training too. Yeah. I know. I know. And it's amazing, right? But and 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 then when I also know from from fighting, when when you land a shot to the solar plexus, for example, like the exercise mm -hmm. you just did, 
every even yeah. when we breathe out as hard as we possibly can, there's yeah. still a little bit of air left in, yes. in the lungs. And then when you hit a body shot, that little yeah. extra air goes out, and that's why it feels. Yes. Like so my question is this: Can you figure out a way of when you fight on making sure that you can use that for defensive purposes, where that doesn't happen? Yes. I have a great exercise for that, Marcus. Don't even get me started. It's too hard to explain. But what, I don't know, Shane, if you understand what he's talking about, but it's like, it happens in surfing when you get knocked off a board and it happens in judo when you get thrown and if you get thrown like off a horse. So when you hit the ground, the residual air you have in your body gets pushed out and that's that stun feeling you get um, where you get the wind knocked out of you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. So there's actually a drill to practice that. So you can practice that feeling and get that residual air out so that a, you can expand quickly again, because you got to practice that. Um, and so that it doesn't stun you because if you don't have it happen a lot, you're just not used to it. And that's, you know, that's the part of the breathing stuff I like, which is you can use the breathing to practice pain and discomfort and then decide, do I want to disassociate from the pain? Do I want to lean into the pain? Or do I want to get distracted from the pain? And you can use the breath for all three of those. That was a total tangent. I'm sorry, but. No, no, no. <laughs> um, before, I, before I forget, um, I, remember, I remember hearing this years ago. This had to be seven years ago now. Um, but then I recently saw Diego Sanchez doing similar breathing exercises before his fight. And I see you laughing because I remember you sent me a message on Instagram about this. Um, but I remember my buddy Nick explaining it to me, saying that a strength and conditioning coach at his gym taught him that one of the best ways to uh, to breathe and to recover and catch your breath or even during a fight is to let your lips become an apparatus um, and I'm going to do it and it's really silly looking, but it's the only way I can explain it to where you go. So you're only allowed to inhale the amount of air that you exhaled because your lips are yeah, sort of this apparatus stopping from any additional air from leaving or coming in. Is there any science behind this or anything that you're familiar with? Okay. Well, there's some, um, so first of all, I have to say, I don't know Diego at all, uh, but I hear awesome things about him. I hear he's a really nice guy. So nothing I'm going to say is uh, pejorative or in any way. Um, I did find the audience's reaction and especially the commentators, you know, everybody was so baffled about it. And I got a ton of questions the next day about what was that? Is it any good? Should I do this? You know, how does it compare to what Hickson does? Blah, blah, blah. So this is like, this is my life. <laughs> when anybody does anything weird in breathing, I get the questions for it. Um, so when I first saw it, I thought what he was trying to do is, and, and think of the cartoons of the bulls right before they're about to go and they're like pawing the ground and the, the air is coming out of their nose. Like, I thought that was the impression of what he was trying to give because he was very intent staring out did you see this um marcus i did not I watch it I, yeah i was gonna lead into the you already said hickson, yeah. so i'll talk about hickson but i didn't yeah, see talking about hickson, yeah. Oh. so it was i thought that he was trying to give that impression of the flared nostrils with the smoke coming out you know but it looked more like tantruming baby of <sighs> so the effect i don't think it was the effect that he wanted now Everybody has the little things they do that, that psych them up and whatever works for you, just do it. Like if that really made him, he won that fight, right? Uh, actually, I was going to say that wasn't his best performance. I think he lost that fight. Did he lose that fight? I remember that it was, uh, I could it be was, wrong. Uh, not a great performance, but I remember, but anyway, anyway, so, uh, whatever works for you, like they say placebo is really important and so is ritual. So whatever is good for you and helps you, I say go for it. Now, the jaw thing, there is science in the fact that if your jaw is relaxed, your body is relaxed. If your lips, if your palate, if all this here is relaxed, you're going to be relaxed. And think about, for instance, 
most of the time we see that, I always go back to the animal world to see, you know, what animals do, is that you only see that in animals who are stressed and they're transitioning to the next moment. So think of a horse, right? Can you do the horse? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lip flutter there. There's a, you know, there we go. All right. So that's kind of what he was doing, except for usually you don't do that unless you're stressed and you're trying to let off steam before you go to the next moment. Right. So, you know, that's kind of my breakdown of it. Uh, yeah. Again, so, if it works for you, I don't see a lot of science behind it, but if it works for you, it's important. It's interesting that you said that, though, because if you look at, you know, the um, same boat, for example, when you look at a 100-meter sprinter, the fastest human beings on the planet, and you watch them in slow motion, it's like the whole face is just like going up and down because they're so relaxed, yet that's what helps them being explosive, right? Yeah. I do want to ask you about the Hickson exercises. Right. And, and, and doing those and, and for... The selfish, for the selfish reasons that I'm trying to learn how to do it, and it bothers me because I can't do it. I can't get my stomach in, and I don't know what, one, what's <laughs> the purpose behind it? Two, how okay. do you learn it? Okay, so um, Shane, can you do a stomach vacuum? Stomach vacuum. Um, yeah, a little bit. You know what, I, I, did, a, I did a video with Crone Gracie, uh, Hickson's son, and mm -hmm. he's, you know, really yeah. good at it. He did it for about 20 minutes, yeah. and it was it was a fascinating experience. So ever since, yeah, I've been I've been dabbling with it. Okay, so that comes from yoga, um, and a lot of what Hickson does, even the three breaths, is is comes from yoga, um, which is awesome because most breathing comes from does come from yoga um, in some variation. That's where it all started um, 8,000 years ago. It really was 8,000 years ago. So a stomach vacuum. Um, isn't as much a breathing exercise as it is digestive and core muscle related. So you do have to hold your breath while you're doing it, but what you're doing is called churning and it's excellent for your inner organ, for your organs, oh, they're all inner, your organs and your digestion. It's not so much of a breathing technique because if you think about it, it's all mostly happening around your digestive system. So what you're trying to do is create a vacuum um, and then you move the muscles. And there's actually some pretty decent YouTube tutorials, tutorials on how to do it. Um, I, don't, I do an exercise that's in the ballpark, but more breathing related. Um, but it's super interesting. And I mean, it's great to look at and having that much core strength and core control is really important because the more you can control your body in all different ways, the better, especially when you're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I can sit here and ask a million questions. I have been lucky enough to be able to ask many questions in the past, yeah. but I always come up with new, like Shane just said before, right. he was going doing sprints yesterday and he come up with three questions. And it's a lot of times when I, I do different training things where I start thinking about, okay, how can breathing Yeah. Right. And, and, and like you said before, you know, when it comes to the fight, you don't have time to think about it. Right. It has to, it has mm -hmm. to happen naturally. Yeah. Um, but as far as, as, as one of the best examples was when I was in New York, when we met actually, when I was yeah. in the new you training and I was filming and I had to perform the moves myself and I had to speak to the audience that was on the camera. Yeah. And I started, and right away, I started thinking of Beyonce and Britney Spears. And, and thinking to the, the newfound <laughs> respect I have for these people dancing and singing at the same time. I could hardly mm -hmm. speak. And I was struggling. And I had to speak. How? And I can just imagine learning how to do that would obviously benefit a fighter as far yeah. as being able to, if you can sing, that means you're controlling your voice. Mm -hmm. And if you can perform physical activity and control your breathing, how can that? Be taught. How do you practice that during training? Shane, are you gonna are you gonna be the one to break it to Marcus to tell him that they're not really singing when they're dancing? <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard of lip syncing, Marcus. It's called Is lip syncing, Marcus. So I actually watched just yeah. yesterday because I've been on my phone way too. I mean, I'm sure everybody's on their phone way too much, and I'm watching Jennifer Lopez sing. And there's a moment where she takes the mic and she puts it out to the audience and goes, sing. And they don't. 
and her voice continues. <laughs> Even though she's got the mic in the audience, her song is still going with her voice. And I was like, ooh, that didn't work out so well. So yes, when they're- You just told yeah. me that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up a really interesting point, which is that um, speaking is a, an audible exhale. So I had to put in the book, and I have no problem saying what it is, is that, when you present, you are trying to extend that exhale. So people that present and get upset, it's usually because they're often their breathing muscles aren't strong and it's a fear of losing the breath by the end of the sentence. So if you are a presenter, if you are someone who speaks, making sure A, you have a good inhale and then B, can control the exhale is the ticket. So... There's, there is really interesting stuff behind, you know, actually rapping is really interesting. I was, I was watching a guy again on YouTube the other day talking about how to, um, not that I'm going to be rapping anytime soon, but uh, how to take the breath and be able to separate it so that you don't fall flat and you have enough air to get to the end of the sentence. And that's again about breath control. But again, all that is about strength of your breathing muscles, because if they're not strong, you're going to be going inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and they're going to get tired, which is why with fighters, we do exhale pulsations. And Shane, um, Marcus, you probably remember doing those short, sharp exhales, of, right? Yeah, is that if you're gonna fight, you better be able to do unlimited number of exhale pulsations. And for right now, and it might be broken, but um, Jake Ellenberger has the, uh, um, He's, he's won like the biggest number. He's got 750. That was a rough day for me because I had to keep up with, yeah. But you better be able to exhale um, over and over and over again indefinitely. Because can you imagine that you have to punch, your arms aren't tired, right? Your cardio's good, but somehow you feel tired. It better not be your breathing that's tired, that's, that's stopping you from punching well. So that whole concept to me is fascinating of you better get your breathing muscles strong so they don't get in the way of your performance because you could be gifted, have great coaches, have great cardio. But what happens if that muscle that that one's weak or, you know, is, is tired in the third round or the fifth round? So that was one of my favorite exercises. And I have a lot of my students do that one, too. Yeah. I have a personal question. I was going to ask you this off camera, but mine as well, since we're on the topic is holding your breath. Uh, is that is that an exercise that you recommend? Because I, I find myself doing that in a lot. And I, I just wonder, because I know swimmers can hold their breath for a long time. Yeah. So is there is, is it beneficial to, to just the see swimmers, how long? Yeah. <laughs> if you're swimming, you should definitely hold your breath. I don't <laughs> teach breath holds unless your sport or your job requires it. So that's my uh, that's my line. Um, so, for instance, if I teach you, you go through being able to breathe mechanically well first and be able to breathe in all different situations continuously before we then work on breath holds. Because most people's problem is not uh, uh, holding their breath it's or, or holding their breath when they need to. It's holding their breath when they shouldn't. So I'm not going to actually ask you to hold your breath, practice holding your breath when the rest of the time I'm going to be yelling at you to breathe. Right. So I'm very careful because it can get addictive. I mean, I don't know who I was talking to. He's like, yeah, I practice breath holds all day. I'm like, oh, that's such a bad idea. Like you don't you don't want to be depriving your brain of oxygen all day long. And you certainly want to be what's called locomotive pairing is you want to be actually moving and pairing your breath with your movement that makes for fluid movement. So I will teach breath holds to fighters way later, um, ways in advance thing. I will, obviously, if I work with freedivers um, or surfers, do that. And if I work with firefighters, we will do it, but much later on, um, only so that if you don't have your mask on and you get a waft of smoke, if you have to hold your breath, it doesn't upset you. But I don't do it as an ongoing thing. That's a perfect yeah. answer. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear because I found myself doing it probably more than I should. And I think it's a way of ignoring doing the actual exercises that I should be doing. So well, it's good. A Thanks. Response. Yeah, it's yeah. 
Right now, so I always look at it, and there's some people that do wonderful things with it. I mean, Art of Breath does great breath hold training and apnea training, and it makes sense within their context for sure. But when I look at someone, I look to see what's your breathing dysfunction. Like I really look at the person as what are the myths you believe? What are the injuries you have? Like what is your goal in your sport? And I look at you to see how you breathe and how we can make your breathing better. And there's a lot of people out there that are either reverse breathing um, they're paradoxical breathers, or they're just hovering all the time, which means tiny sips of air in and out, or they're just breath holding because they're tense. And especially now where we feel like there's germs all over and people are yelling at you to put on your mask as they should, I suppose. And you're watching stuff that's either entertaining or upsetting on your phone. Like we're just holding our breath a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> We usually ask uh, a question, a daily tip from our guests, but you've given so many tips. Do you have any more tips to give? <laughs> oh, I, I just learned how to make a chocolate chia seed pudding. I mean, I can tell you about that. <laughs> 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 that that easy, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can ask me tips about anything. You know, you know, I'll come up with it, Marcus. <laughs> well, like I think Marcus phrased it. We we usually ask for homework from from our viewers. So if there's any homework that you could recommend them do, the physical IQ. or mental. Yeah, go online. Take your breathing IQ. It's online. It's super easy. All you need is a measuring tape, and you put the measuring tape around your body. Um, first, you look to see what kind of breather you are. Are you vertical? Are you horizontal? Are you hybrid? Like most people are vertical or hybrids. And then you take your the measurement around your middle. The, there's a little calculator on the website which figures it out for you. And then you get a grade. So just actually know. Know what your grade is because then you can work from there. That's your homework. That's your tidbit. Yeah. And, and I just want to say do it, guys. Like it's it, it turns something abstract like breathing and turns it into something tangible where you actually have numbers and something to show yeah. for it i did it it only takes a couple of minutes but you'll get you'll get huge benefits out of it you'll get a benchmark and then you'll be able to set goals and get better at it so what was the website where they can go to find that the breathing class i'm not very original it's just the breathing class yeah okay all right awesome all right dr belisa vranich thank you so much for coming on Thanks marcus anything else guys anytime Thank you. I, I, I've spent so many hours with you already, and every single time I feel like I have a million more questions. <laughs> I feel like there might be uh, more opportunities for people to, I'm, I'm sure you're going to come on. Once you're actually in yeah. LA, I'd love to have and you on in person, and that way it gives people the opportunity to sure. load up some questions for that time. Yeah, and send them to me. I'm really good at answering them. I take everybody's question really seriously. Um, and I, I love getting them. This is this is what I love to do. And you know, the weirder, the wackier, the better. <laughs> and as as a person, careful like what you before, wish for. Yeah, as a person that didn't believe much in it and didn't understand the value and has really, I did it this morning. I did it yesterday. You know, I I, I want to thank you personally for for what you're doing. It's so important and it's so helpful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.